Hello, faithful podcast viewers and listeners. Do you like scary movies? Hell <laughs> Welcome yeah, back. I like scary movies. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, uh, faithful, uh, faithful fans, to the Silver Screen podcast. This uh, is basically how we are going to be going forward for the next few months. We're not in a full series, but uh, I've decided that I'm going to do kind of uh, odd sort of uh, p- podcast reviews for films that might be relevant, and you'll probably know that there's a new Scream movie coming out. So uh, if you've been on my social Wait, media, <laughs> you will know. Wait, uh, you'll know that we decided that um, to coincide with that, that it, I would give a review of the original 1996 uh, Wes Craven's Scream, uh, written. By I thought Kevin it was Williams. called Stab. I thought it was called Stab. <laughs> Stab. <laughs> no, that did, that didn't show up until the sequel. <laughs> Oh, oh, actually, yeah, it didn't. I just literally watched it as well. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Uh, It was almost called Scary Movie, but uh, they changed that last minute, and that became the the comedy franchise title instead. But we'll we'll get into that. But uh, Yeah, so as I say, if you've seen the social medias and stuff, you'll know we're reviewing Scream. But you know by now that I don't just sit there and ramble by myself. I'm always joined by a guest who you will have heard in that intro. Um, But (laughs) why don't you introduce yourself officially before we get into it? So my name's Connor. Um, I'm here on behalf of Pasty Sheep. Um, you may know me like, and George White on the YouTube scene. Um, you know, we we cover films, TVs, kind of like this lovely gentleman does. And um, like Michael says, relevancy is key. We're in a new year, 2022. And, you know, there's no other film really to talk about in, in dry January um, other than screaming. <laughs> Because the new yeah, one's well, out, so well they moved Morbius. Not that that was going to necessarily be. A oh, I mean, or anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's be honest, no. <laughs> but yeah, the no. next uh, big, God, no. the next big film after Scream, I think, is the Batman in March if it keeps to its dates. So, yeah. as I said, we are discussing the movie Scream, written by Kevin Williamson, who is probably most famous, ironically, as the creator of Dawson's Creek, which I always find amusing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, what? Really? You can kind of tell by the way the teenagers kind of talk in this movie and stuff because it's got that sort of teen pop culture (laughs) dialogue kind of thing. So when you know that, you're like, oh, crap, I can kind of see what you mean. (laughs) Dawson's uh... Creek. Jesus (laughs) Christ. And uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it's directed by horror icon and maestro Wes Craven, uh, who, you know, Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm Street, Swamp Thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Swamp Thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you said all the big ones. Yeah, you have said all the big yeah, ones. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he did a werewolf movie around this time, but it wasn't very good, I'm told. Never saw it. So, um, yeah. So, uh, without uh, any further ado, then I'll start by asking you what your kind of familiarity is with Scream. When was the first time you saw it, if you can remember? And how did you decide um, to watch it? how did I decide to watch it? Well, it was a long, quiet Saturday night, and it was kind of <laughs> like, well... I'm in the mood for a new movie. What on earth do I need to watch? <laughs> and it was a good old friend called Amazon Prime, and it was none that I had. It was nothing I had to rent, but it was included with Prime. Maybe about a year ago during lockdown, I remember that. Oh, it's and not it was now. Kind of like, ah, oh, sod it. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, sod it. Let's watch it. Oh, fair enough. Um, whereas I, I 
being a bit older than you without saying anything more than that. Um, I, I kind of <laughs> grew up with this. We were talking before we started recording and you said that, yeah, you've kind of grown up with this and that's true. Um, I would have been about 14 or 15 in 1996. I do know that I definitely didn't see this in the cinema. Um, oh, and I well, saw... I'd be blooming surprised if you did. <laughs> I'd be blooming surprised. <laughs> no. Weirdly enough, the only Scream I've ever seen in the cinema was Scream 3. Out of all of the four, oh wow, 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 wow! That was a, I bet that was a fun time, way over time. By that point, we were so, me and my friend were so heavily into the kind of franchise and everything that it kind of was because it was like a, it was almost like a convention. We went with the full costume and mask and everything, and yeah, we're just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. scream, yay, <laughs> young and impressionable, you know. But uh, yeah, um, but no, I do remember watching Scream One and Two on either video or DVD after I think Scream Two had even been out, so it was probably around ninety eight or so. Um, but like right, I said, having right. grown up with it, I've seen it multiple times. I've owned it on DVD. I recently got the um, first three films on a sort of trilogy Blu-ray because I thought, ah, time to upgrade. Why not? Um, yeah, and it was like yeah. nine quid or something. It wasn't expensive. So, <laughs> um, and I do already have Scream 4 on Blu-ray because I actually quite enjoyed that one. <laughs> well, funny um, enough, I, I've got the 4K of the first, which is what I ended up watching tonight. And then, funny enough, I've just ordered the Blu-ray trilogy because, again, these films are good. Like, all right, Scream 3, yeah, but they're all worth watching. They're all worth owning, I personally think. Yeah, I'll get into that later because I have asked kind of around social media what, what our opinions of the overall what franchise. What the consensus, and, yeah. Yeah, have a favourite. I, mean, I think it's pretty obvious, but we'll go into it at the end anyway. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's one of those films that I've kind of, that's always been omnipresent ever since I first saw it, because I remember studying it in um, sixth form when I was there for kind of right. media studies class and stuff. Uh, so I've done full-on analysis of so already, which is how I know random stories quite, and stuff. Quite a lot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, little tricks and things that we were taught by our, t our teacher at the time to look out for. So, yeah, um, right, so... If, uh, if there's nothing else, then I'll be as well just get started and uh, go straight into the movie. Yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, crack on. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah, it, so the movie just starts straight out the gate with the, the word scream and the, the iconic opening scene, obviously, with um, Drew Barrymore as Casey. Uh, and mm. straight away, um, I noticed a lot of the kind of tricks of the trade that Wes Craven uh, employs here for horror movies. There's a lot of Dutch angles that are designed to kind of leave you unsettled because nothing's like on a level so you're always kind of askew um which mm -hmm. i noticed a lot mm -hmm. throughout the movie but that's definitely how it opens and uh yeah i was gonna say yes um yeah like you say uncomfortable nothing's at a steady angle it is kind of all over the place and janky and you know from behind like face on yeah it is all very good sharp angles like if it was really poorly done you could have maybe could have seen Ghostface walking around you could have seen him like enter the room but like no you can't see no cameramen you can't see nothing like leak yeah. like it is genuinely master like craftedly done like amazingly i agree and it, it gives you the chance that the only time you kind of see a figure sort of rushing by in the robes and stuff is when you're supposed to out of the corner of your eye yeah. it's meant to be like a little bit unsettling and scary so that's really a oh, it definitely is and it is yeah, yeah. it really is and uh, i think it's worth pointing out that as a setup as well um there's a lot of shots like panoramic shots of the outdoors showing i think how isolated casey's house is and to try and emphasize yeah, that, yeah. You know, She's not protected in this big man mansion-esque type house. Oh, hell no. Big world over <laughs> no. there, you know? So, <laughs> um, so yeah. And uh, immediately 
immediately we get into the hit themes with the whole, uh, I think it's from the first phone call, the whole, do you like scary movies? I'm getting ready to watch one with popcorn and, uh, you know, references to Halloween and she starts playing with the yeah. knives in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the, the, what's your favourite slasher movie? And, oh, who's, like, one of the questions is, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? And, all right, he doesn't specify which one, but then it's Jason, like, <laughs> wrong, it's Mrs. Voorhees. You know, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Friday the 13th, but if you haven't, Indeed. if you watch Scream not knowing the genre, then don't start off the horror genre with Scream because it kind of does no. cover a lot of films. So have yeah. some sort of idea of what you like and then go and do Scream. Like know a little bit about the genre, then watch this, I would recommend. Oh, but... 100% because it comments on every yeah. kind of like, trope and idea yeah. of the genre. So you get a lot more out of it if you are familiar with horror movies, definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> there's a funny kind of story that I have, or, or a couple actually about this scene, but the first one is during the phone conversation when they get talking about um, what's my scary movie, can you guess? And she says Nightmare on Elm Street, and the, the voice on the phone replies, oh, I like that movie, it was scary, and Drew Barrymore's character says, yeah, the first one was, but the rest sucked. Um, apparently that was, <laughs> well, <laughs> that was a bone of contention between the writer and director because Wes Craven said it made him sound incredibly pompous. Uh, as the man who kind of wrote and directed the first movie. And the only reason the line stayed in there is because the film's writer said, Nana West, she's also talking about New Nightmare when she says all the others sucked. So he was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I kind of like that. But I also like that um, Drew Barrymore apparently herself campaigned to be the first kill. She was originally courted for the role of Sydney. Sign um, me up, sign me up. I want to die, sign me up. <laughs> Yeah, well, she kind of she was responsible for the whole idea that it would be a big shock because she was the big name, and it was kind of the idea was if she died mm. early on, anything happened. Again, spoilers if you haven't seen Scream, don't listen to this first. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh hell no! So, no. Um, that was the kind of shock factor was unbelievable, and they deliberately marketed the film with her name kind of front and center. And her sort well, because when I've googled the film. Her. Like yeah. when I watched it a year ago, like I didn't hardly remember none of the details until like last week. But when I googled, like she's all over the posters, like you say, she's kind of the poster child. But then to be honest, like she's only in the first scene, and then she isn't in it at all. Exactly but the and way that, that it, was she was marketed. It was deliberate so that you would get the shock of like, wow, this we thought this well, was a Paramount movie, and she's gone. 15 minutes in or whatever this, it is, not even that, you know? But, uh, this is Game yeah. of Thrones in the 90s. All the characters you love are going to die. <laughs> Don't get attached, folks. Anything can happen. That far. Unless you're a fan <laughs> of Drew Barrymore or the Fonz, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that. And um, I do have a story about kind of the, the director motivation that was given to Drew Barrymore during the scene for to kind of um, get her to the right place and stuff. Um, which I, I find quite fascinating. So apologies if, if you find it boring, but um, apparently Drew oh, Barrymore was no. in. Uh, yeah, she's like a huge animal lover and she was reading a story in one of the local papers while filming about some guy who would like set fire to his dogs or something, um, or some puppies. <laughs> and she was like, she was really disturbed by it. And Wes Craven sort of could see oh, as she was as she was conveying the story to him, she couldn't do it without being emotional, just describing the story. Right. So Wes kind yeah. of clocked this and apparently whenever she was like having trouble getting to that sort of sad or disturbed place, he would just go, Drew, lighting the lighter. And then she would remember that kind of story <laughs> about the dogs and, and that would really Sorry. upset her at that level. So um, not that God. she was like, she wasn't averse to it. It was kind of like, yeah, get me there, whatever any means. But uh, I just find it as one of those interesting things as like actors motivations, you know, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to stick with me. I mean, when, <laughs> yeah, I'll watch that again. Just, yeah, that's. <laughs> 
Trivia! <laughs> yeah, but it's such a good performance watching Drew Barrymore again, because I just rewatched this like today. And watching her performance in those mm. opening scenes, that's so good and it really does seem like she's it genuinely yeah, she's disturbed terrifying. by it all and stuff. And uh, I feel, yeah. I forget I'm watching a movie. That's how realistic it is. I forget I'm watching a film. Like it's just gonna yeah, be a found footage thing, like <laughs> Yeah, if it wasn't for all of the kind of references to pop culture and stuff, but that's Oh yeah, that, other than that, uh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah in terms of like the little directing touches as well i love that the the popcorn is used as like a signifier of tension because the, the more it kind of you know bulbously yeah, yeah, up yeah. And it's, it's about mm. to pop, is, is the more that it's getting closer to her finding out the guys i didn't really think about that until you've just pointed it but yeah the popcorn is kind of used yeah yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I never. Yeah, no, good point. Good point. I didn't think it about. It starts the off with her sort of shaking it, thinking that the, 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 the mm. call is like hitting on her and stuff, and then the camera just keeps flicking back to it as it's like, like I said, it's kind of puffing up more and more and more, and then by the time and the tension's increasing, fire, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's really cool, and I like that. Um, Craven uses like crash zooms and music changes and whipping around and stuff. And uh, this is all used to signify like changes in attitude as soon as the killer stops being. Yeah, there's qu quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. Mm. Mm. Quite a bit of change. And uh, again, as we mentioned, in terms of like, if, if you've seen horror movies, you'll know how you'll appreciate a lot more when it comments on it. But this is the first time it does it when she says, who's there? And the guy on the phone's like, never say who's there. It's a death wish. Don't you watch these movies? You may as well come out here to investigate a strange noises. Which is <laughs> like, this is the first time that I think movies had been that level of self-aware that they were playing with these ideas. And uh, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, as I said, there's obviously, as we've said, reference to Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and that question about um, Jason Voorhees not turning up until the sequel. Um, which, if that killer was ringing me, I would go, "Oh, are we not counting the dream sequence at the end of the first movie?" Then, oh yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, he wasn't it, but yeah, no, totally right. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I didn't realize until I was kind of doing research within the last week or two that never occurred to me, even though it should have, is the kind of ultimate question before the guy taxes uh, to Casey is like, which door am I behind? I'm behind one, the other yeah. one could lead to safety. And I was like, it didn't occur to me that there's two of them. She would have died either way because they could be Well, exactly, she was screwed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah, by the time you'd go to one, she was in the other one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stupid. But, um, yeah, I do love the little, again, in terms of tension, the fact that we get glimpses of the robes of the, the kind of killer running around behind her. And then we see that mm. her parents' car is just so like, Agonizingly ah, close. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and just the iconic nature of the, like she looks in the window and the the head wearing the mask just turns around and reflects on her, and it's so good. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's just oh, such a good touch. But, Spine um, chilling. <laughs> it really is. It's very good. But in terms of like truly horrifying and disturbing, the fact that her parents are like listening to her over the phone and she on the phone, do, I, mm. yeah. she can't because her vocal cords have kind of been. Yeah, well, that's they've the kind thing. of been cut out, isn't it? It's just yeah, yeah what a horrible way to die. He's like screaming for help, and all that comes out is like, oh, uh, it's like, oh the uh, tragedy of it. Which is, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> uh, just to change the mood for a second, back to a more nerdy one. Um, the the parents, yes. uh, the parents of uh, obviously Casey discover they realize what's happening when they hear her kind of death rattle i guess over the phone uh, and her dad says mm. to her mum um, grab your stuff drive to the mackenzie's which apparently is a reference to halloween so that's what that's what's said in that movie like go to the mackenzie's it house it'll be safe there so, oh is it yeah oh, okay. i didn't know that either no. again i just looked it up and was like oh cool that's a cool little touch 
That's um, well. Hey, the more you know. Yeah, okay. I know. I didn't look into that as a reference, but I did kind of think mm, the Mackenzies. Like, who were they in this film? But then, yeah, they yeah. come up again. So it doesn't seem like just iconic line. Like, I, I, I know. No. I recognize, the, <laughs> I recognize it in Shaun of the Dead when they say, "Like, we're coming to get you, Barbara." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah Night of the Living Dead." I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Mackenzies. Oh, remember the Mackenzies? I've been like, who are they? Remember What's the Mackenzies from Halloween? That family that got mentioned and never seen in all of the sequels. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I did want to quickly say as well before we get into the main bulk of the film is that I love that this film is unique because it's a whodunit, and I think that that goes kind of uncredited for part of the reason I think of its success because it doesn't show you the killer. Um, not that a lot of films did. No. But still, you know, you still knew it was Michael Myers, even if you didn't see Under the Mask. Um, and, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, and it, it starts out even with that immediately because it was apparently Drew Barrymore, her idea, her ad lib to reach up and take the mask off so she could see who the killer was, even though the audience doesn't. And I think that's such a, a good uh, touch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but then, well, okay, I was going to ask a question that would have spoiled the whole film, so I'll keep the question to myself. Never mind. No, it, no, it go for it. That full we... No. Okay, us two, knowing that you know, who the killers are, because we've both seen this, um, mm. who do you personally think it is? Of course, you can't just address it right now, as we've only just started this. Yeah, if you could imagine um, which... Well, you know, I think that I did... Think right, <laughs> that's why I couldn't address this, it. I've watched this a few times, and it has it has been said that's what gives it the rewatch value, is that you can watch and try to figure out who is during, in, in the costume in various scenes and stuff. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I think... I feel like it was Stu that was in the costume that actually stabbed her because he is the one that was said to have dated her for like two minutes and stuff. Um, yes, so right, like right. It's it's him that was doing the killing, but it was probably Billy on the phone is the way that I see it. Um, A team up thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. Because then, I mean, Billy does arrive at Sydney's house not long after it, um, and he's perfectly exactly. kind of clean yeah. and not and unaffected, but. You even see later on that he drops the phone out of his his pocket. So I think it's Mm, him making the phone calls most of the time. Yeah. um, Sus. Very sus. Yeah. But as I said, if you get into the franchise, I do definitely think it was Billy that uh, sparked everything by doing the first killing 10, oh, sorry, a year before the film or whatever. But uh, Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Uh, The film straight into. Nev Campbell on the most nineties looking computer, as we didn't know we were in nineteen ninety six. Nev Campbell, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely, yeah. Saying this from a modern perspective, a younger viewer that I am, it definitely shows this age. I mean, it's not not a negative, but it's just something that I have no. observed. Like this film is definitely in its like time capsule nineties, like you say, very nineties. It is its era. Yeah, it is, I mean, it's, it's yeah. Because of the kind of the fast pace of technology and stuff moving these days, there's things that wouldn't work if you were to have this movie mm. set. Now, the, the more recent ones do even comment on because, I mean, even in Scream 2, when uh, they're watching the movie and uh, the Jada Pinkett character says, oh, just start, hang up and star 69 is that. And it's like, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> it's, uh, we've got, and apparently uh, in real world terms, use of caller ID went up by like hundreds of percent after the film because people were so kind of like, oh, I'm not getting caught out by this serial killer calling me and... Yeah, it's just one of those funny things where technology has developed to a point where watching it now almost seems quaint, and you're like, why didn't it just? Yeah. Why didn't they all have more? Why mobile? did you not why think of this? They... Uh, uh, yeah, what's a landline? Like, what is exactly? A yeah, <laughs> I do find it ironic that the first kind of supposed 
it's a jump scare, but it's not. Have we tricked you? Is Billy, who is ultimately revealed as one of the killers? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it kind of it winds yeah. up as a, a double bluff because it's like you were scared, but it was only Billy. But uh, you sort of been no, but also in that scene as well when I because the dad knocks knocks on her door and it's all like hey, I thought I heard a scream and she's like oh you know oh. I'm going away for the trip till Sunday, you know, look after yourself. Blah, yeah. blah, and she says oh, like, yeah. you know, I'll be on the phone, blah, 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 blah. But he's underneath the bed and he grabs like a little rabbit doll and he does a yeah. voiceover. That's kind of a foreshadow, <laughs> isn't it? Because of what happens. Yeah, exactly. But, that um, was genius. They're setting Billy up, I think, not not just as one of the potential red herrings, but he looks so much like Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street. And um, the, um, yeah, the whole kind yeah, of the whole climbing, the whole climbing in through her window is a reference to both that and to Dawson's Creek again. <laughs> which is oh, like oh, kind of the... Dawson's <laughs> Creek is the conspiracy. <laughs> God, this he was the inspiration com- behind screen. <laughs> <laughs> he was always walking in through Katie Holmes's kind of upstairs window and stuff. So yeah, um, oh. but yeah, you mentioned the dad going away, and again, that's one of the main red herrings that's set up throughout the movie is that it might be her dad doing mm. the killing. Um, and it is kind of convenient that he's. Oh, I'm going away, so I'm I'm not going to no. be around, and I'm definitely not going to be on a murder spree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. And there's a scene later on in the police station where they identify that the costume is like it's at every five and dime. It's just a you know a regular yeah. costume that's sold, and the costume's name is Father Death, which is deliberately named uh, right. to bring the oh, okay. her, mm. her father in mind. Um, right. So even, right. Even though the character is called Ghostface by the other characters and stuff, that's what the costume's officially called. And it's just it's one of those subliminal things that you would like. Mm. Oh, Father Death, eh? So, that, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh. I didn't even um, notice that tonight, but all right. <laughs> yeah, it, that was one of the things I think my media studies teacher taught me because he was going through all the Red Harrys and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's genius. Because even if you didn't realise it yeah. subliminally, you're probably thinking, Father oh, wow. Death, you know? So, death, oh. Yeah. Anyway, um, slightly, <laughs> slightly nerdy spot, which is blatantly obvious, but, you know, if I don't say it, somebody might comment in the comments. Billy Loomis, yes, his surname is named after the <gasps> Donald Pleasant character on Halloween. <laughs> Wait, who? What? No, is it his grandson? Are they crossing over? Wait, is Screen part of Halloween? What was going on? <laughs> well, what? given that they watch oh, Halloween within the movie, I'm guessing not, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's a sly little reference, but uh, again, it's it's a bit of a cheeky reference in the soundtrack when it starts mm. uh, it starts playing the slowed-down version of Don't Fear the Reaper over Billy and uh, Sydney, which is kind of like, ah, I get ah. it, because he is the Reaper, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, uh... Uh-huh. And uh, this Jesus. scene in Sydney, this scene in Sydney's bedroom, I have to say, for some reason, it's the only scene that I can't take seriously because it's it's the scene that they do in Scary Movie that has become embedded as the official version right. in my head. So I just right. keep expecting, I keep expecting him to say, "I was watching The Exorcist," and it reminded me of you and her to reply. If this is about the time that my head spun round and I spewed out green slime, it was my first frat party, Billy. <laughs> see, see, I've not watched Scary Movie because I know its reputation, but I know that scene. I know that quote, so I've, I kind of want to watch it now. <laughs> I, I do actually think the first Scary Movie is pretty good, but mainly because it only parodies, for the most part, Scream, and it kind of hits it scene by scene. Whereas right. in, the, in the sequels, it got stupid, and it was like, now we're parodying like not even horror movies just for the sake of it, and it got ridiculous. As we cut, by the way, from uh, from this scene into the uh, the camera crews and everything outside of the school, uh, did you spot the cameo by uh, Linda Blair as one of the uh, news reporters? No, I did <laughs> spot another cameo later on, which we okay. will mention when we get to that. But no, I did not mention uh, Linda Blair. 
Okay. Yeah, she's there. She's in the background of the first scene where it pans over before it hits Gail Weathers. And then she's seen really clearly later on when she kind of accosts Sydney and she's like, were you attacked last night with something about a costume? And oh, right. Her. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that rings a bell. But like the, the at that particular bit of the movie, like, no. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember Linda Blair, but oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's her anyway, right. Linda Blair from from The Exorcist, obviously, the young, uh, the young girl at the time, so... Again, nice little horror uh, uh, bit of you know, reference, self-reference. 101. <laughs> mm. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love that that there is kind of a world in this movie and a backstory that we get in drips and drabs. Like it's first hinted at here why um, when Tatum says, oh, they say that the murder of Casey and her boyfriend is the worst crime in years, the worst than, well, anyway, it's bad. So it's like, ah, something else has happened and what are they referring to? And Obviously, we get drips yeah. and drabs about it. Her mother was killed, and Sydney is the one who put away the guy with her evidence, and Gail Weathers was reporting on it and stuff. But it's so well done and well handled. It's not an exposition dump, and it's not shown to you in no. like a big flashback. Uh, no, um, no, no, no. It's not, oh, let's get all this character's backstory in one movie, because who knows? We're not getting a sequel, so we have to force everything down <laughs> in this one two-hour movie, you know? That would exactly. be every movie nowadays. It would be legit. Let's cram everything into this movie, hoping that we get a number two. But yeah, not to say I that mean, this was going to get number two at the time, but you know. No, but I mean, anyway. it does. It does give you that backstory. It's just not all at once mm. because it gradually not all in your it, face. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not as all in as your you face. say, you can imagine a movie nowadays would be like it's the worst crime since, and then you would cut into oh. Sydney's face, and then it would be like a half hour flashback of one year. That's ago, what I mean. Yeah, you think <laughs> Jesus Christ? Yeah, you think get on with it, love. Get on exactly. With it. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So as we go to the school, we realise the principal of the school is Henry Winkler. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, he apparently chose not to go and not to go credited to go uncredited for the role, um, so as not to draw attention from the slightly younger cast. But I mean, come on, it's him. It's, there's no disguising the fact. Um, even to the point where, in the later scene, where spoiler alert, he gets killed. Um, he has oh. the Fonz's leather jacket in the closet when he looks in there, and he, he even does that like slide your hand through your hair move of the Fonz into the mirror. I was like, well, they knew what they were doing with this, didn't they? So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, probably a reference that's going over most of our audience's heads, but I remember happy days. Damn it. Be, be, be included, be included. <laughs> you must know who the Fonzie is from Happy Days, surely. No, well, back, ah, <laughs> man, <laughs> well, back in 1996, <laughs> Happy Days, like horror films were the prime in the 90s. Happy Days is a bit misleading. <laughs> Happy Days was a great sitcom. It was the 70s pretending to be the 50s. But, you know, never mind. Oh, well. <laughs> um, <Yeah>, no, sorry. <laughs> Put my hands up. I didn't know that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Look it up, you young whippersnappers. The Fonz, he's a cultural <laughs> icon, damn it. He's where the phrase Jump the Shark comes from. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we meet, like, all the characters and Dewey and whatnot. And uh, the sheriff uh, of the town, Sheriff Burke, is uh, the same actor who played a, a cop in Nightmare on Elm Street, apparently. So, oh, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. So I've only ever seen the first Elm Street. I've not seen all... Oh, that's why... Yeah, I haven't seen the rest. Yeah. I'm only referring to the first one here because, um, obviously, I would suspect he was hired because he, he, he obviously knows the director of this movie, given that they're the same person. <laughs> well, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so there was an interview with Wes Craven where he says, in his mind, it's the same character, and he was so sort of scarred by the events of Elm Street that he moved to the small town of Woodsboro and got promoted to... Sheriff, and then look what happened to him after all that. Well, <laughs> big mistake. That's, That's some bad luck that guy has had right there. Jesus. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. 
Um, I, I do love the scene of them kind of all at the fountain when they're spouting kind of pop culture stuff, but I think this is where you get kind of the biggest reveal of who the writer of this is, because uh, teenagers don't really talk like that outside of TV and films, do they? It's not like whip-smart no, dialogue. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I was minus two, so I would have no idea how people sounded like at all, but, but you know, <laughs> let's get into we, we were never that clever or that kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, fitting, shall we say, everything, but yeah. I do like that, um, again, because it's a whodunit, Randy kind of puts the blame on Stu and is right, but you don't know that, right? away yes um, no of course not no no <laughs> but yeah he does the same with billy later on but he even admits himself he's also a prime suspect and if you're watching this for the first time as an audience member he does act very weird and you're kind of like Ooh. right yeah round all of them that's the thing all of them genuinely and it i hope uh, i think it maintains most of it for the rest of the series but like everyone truly is a suspect like yeah. in all of the films like, i can't trust especially the first time around i can't trust a single person i can't yeah, trust I, a person I think they, they become increasingly aware that people are now looking for who the killer might be. And like I said, it doesn't get enough credit as a, as a murder mystery, I think, these films as well. So kudos yeah. to it for that, I think. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, as I said, uh, we, we hit Sydney's house and it's basically the same kind of shots that are used that were for Casey's house, which is designed to deliberately unsettle you. It's showing you that it's isolated and there's these big woods outside and she's there all alone and... Um, it does that too. I, I kind of do like this even though it's really cheap it does that thing where she goes to a door and then the music kind of like starts to increase and does a sting when she closes it as if there's going to be something there and then there's not so yeah, yeah 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 god <laughs> no but the thing is that for me though that would be 10 times worse in the big screen in the cinema back in 96 or even yeah. if it was in the modern cinema now i would be i'd be ready to like shit myself and then be like oh there's nothing there yeah the first time you're watching it you really especially if you're like, I'm like, like oh for example, god <laughs> for example my sister's really finicky and she can't handle the tension of the kind of misleads before the main kills yeah i think things kind of happen really quickly here we get the tv giving us the exposition of maureen prescott was killed a year ago and we get obviously the picture of her on tv and compare it to the photograph of sydney with her to reveal that it's her mother um which yes. again very good nice uh, yeah effective mm. <laughs> i like that um sydney is she's not immediately terrified because she just thinks that it's one of her like uh, movie savvy friends on the phone. She assumes it's Randy. Exactly. Call her, yeah. call her. And Tatum has just called her and started talking about like I'm renting this movie where you can see Tom Cruise's penis. <laughs> yeah, all the right moves. I'll come round in a bit, like seven or whatever. Obviously, she. I do love that Sydney's never portrayed as like the stereotypical dumb, just lucky final girl because she. No. Uh, she calls no, his bluff. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, because I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it, it was at that point in 1996, but like you say, as a protagonist, she is like strong, fierce, she's sick ass, and she isn't dumb. Like, I know these characters are written to be sort of aware of other horror films, as the whole film is a meta commentary about the horror genre at that point, and, you know, the franchise is today. But is, is she like the first real example of like strong female protagonist would you say at that I would, point or? i would argue that, that, that it, it's a tradition that goes back to something they reference here which is jamie lee curtis in halloween um but even right, then yeah, okay. she's she's kind of strong enough and capable enough to defend herself but she's never that level of self-aware that sydney is uh which is because yeah she, yeah. He's in this movie, so like I said, you would never, <laughs> you could never imagine anybody in a film before this being like, um, "Oh, you're outside, no, are you? No. I'm gonna call your bluff and come out." And what am I doing now? And she starts like picking her nose and, "Ah, oh, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> can you see I me?" Also, <laughs> I also love that on a rewatch, which I didn't realize uh, the first time I saw it, but I have every time since. 
it was that kind of bravado that kind of screwed her because it's obvious that yeah it's when she goes out that the killer sneaks in through the door exactly he's like, <laughs> yeah it's like she was so in there and locked and there was no way they could have got in and then she's like well i'm calling your bluff and coming out to the porch and looking around and staying there oh ouch and i thank you very much <laughs> Exactly, and then obviously it's a quality jump scare though when she goes back to the house and then the killer is just yeah. in the closet behind her and jumps out. It's quality, but uh, yeah, mm. <laughs> her fault, her calls. Exactly, and again, if you weren't sure, this was 1996 when she starts to use the uh, dial-up internet to call 911. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was kind of like, hang on, what's this? <laughs> Yeah, that's something kids today just would not understand. Like, what's she doing? Oh, well, yeah, what, why is she on her laptop? Why is she on Skype calling, like, the virtual assistant to call the police? I was like, what's going on? I know the most basic, like, uh, war game style. Would you like to play a game type text, you know? Like, nowadays, they'd be like, just yeah. video chat them. What's going on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, we get the kind of Billy drops the cell phone and that leads them to be suspicious of him and. It's another double bluff where it's like, oh, he's innocent, but then in the end, he isn't, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, keeps you guessing. Um, but again, in but terms do you of, think? Uh, but do you think in that moment, if he hadn't dropped the phone, do you think he would have got away with it? Do you think he could have like? Potentially... I think it was. I think it was deliberate because I think they knew that nobody realised that there were two killers. Were in yes. my mind, they're kind of effing with Sydney and with the other. So it's like, as I said, I've kind of looked through and tried to guess like who could have been the killer here, and I would assume. In this instance, it was again because it was too quick from when the killer was chasing her to when Billy jumps in the window. So again, I assume it was Billy on the phone, and it was Stu in the costume. Yeah, and it was Stu in the costume. Mm, mm. But yeah, I also think he deliberately dropped the phone to set up like, oh, we're gonna get her because then she's bound to accuse me, and it's gonna make her look like crap because then you'll call her when I'm in jail, which will reveal it's not me. And yeah, yeah. Um, oh Jesus! Back yeah. in '96, you could have got a fool. This plan through and yeah. through. And they're, yeah, they're only like 16 year old teenage kids or college kids or whatever they are. <laughs> Jesus. They've that's, watched a lot of horror movies. Exactly. But that's part of the clever writing the film by the writer, though, to kind of think a few steps ahead like that and to do these, mm. um, you know, cross and double cross and is it a mislead and then it's not and stuff. And I, I love that. And I, I think it does. It really adds a lot to the movie. So, uh, and again, loads of Dutch angles when people are getting attacked all the time. I've made this note of thousands, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, just a little couple of, of, it's at this point that the film, I think, gets a bit of levity because it's been said a few times that when it was trying to get a rating, Wes Craven was uh, sick of all the cuts that he was being told to make and stuff. And then was like, look, you've got to look at the film as a comedy rather than straight right. horror. Because it's, it's as much that at times and that you're like this, we can't tell you what to cut here. It's just too intense a scene. And he was like, you've got to look at it in context and think it's within, there is some levity in between this and some comedy and some knowingness, I guess. Um, yeah. And a couple of times here that I noticed this was, um, I do love that Dewey uh, and Tatum being siblings is a genius idea. And the fact that she just has <laughs> no respect for him whatsoever. Whoa. Well, he's, <laughs> he's yeah, like we're freaking deputy, yeah. Rose McGowan, isn't it? Rose McGowan's the yes. sister, which I didn't know until this time, until tonight. I was like, really? Oh, what? The cast is so well known. I <laughs> love so well. Rose McGowan in this, but uh, I think she's great. And apparently she had a great time filming it, which is good to know, but she's so good in yeah. this as well. I mean, who wouldn't? I, who wouldn't? I was good when the first time I watched this movie when she got killed because I was like, she's the only really noble, decent, good character in the film. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, morally good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she's looking out for Sydney and she kind of has her back against Gail and 
the only person she's ever really harsh to is a brother, but it's that sibling rivalry kind of thing. Um, but related oh, well. to that, I do like that um, Dewey's trying to be like the serious police officer, and he's like, uh, "Where well, you? We need to get out of here, Sydney." And uh, Tatum's like, "She's staying with us." And then Dewey's responsive, "Does Mom know?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it brings it. <laughs> It brings it back down to um, the fact that, yeah, they are siblings and, yeah, he is trying to be this macho, you know, police protector. And it's like, oh, shit, there's, I need my mum's permission. It's like, does she know? <laughs> exactly. It just, he shrinks right back into that sort of um, yeah. younger sort of, he's the older brother, but the kind of like younger brother character. I the guess. kid. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, a, he's a weird combination <laughs> of both. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of great jokes, and again, this is apparently an ad lib, and it's one that I haven't picked up on until relatively recently. But when Gail, who, by the way, total bitch, but when she goes, um, oh, in this <laughs> movie, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> she goes, oh, Jesus, get the camera, and the cameraman again, ad lib, apparently responds, my name's not Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're knowing it's an ad lib. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a few moments like that that were supposedly ad lib, but I'm not going to get over them all. But yeah, you'd be surprised if you look up on the internet all the like that weren't supposed to be there that were that were ad lib by the cast it's really good mm. um oh, okay. in terms of uh, in terms of what we were saying about gail weathers uh yeah she's deliberately a real bitch and written mm. Mm. that was the reason why courtney cox wanted to play her because at this point she was most well known obviously for friends and uh yeah kinda, absolutely yeah it was kind of like i don't want to be typecast as this good girl kind of quirky type character that i am in friends so i want to play a real bitch the opposite <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. yeah and so she did get to i mean kind of arguably becomes a bit more heroic as the franchise goes on but um here she's not she's very much that stone cold opportunistic oh, kind of unlikable character, you know? unlikable yeah. i did not i weren't a fan of her in this i was very really like oh i hope you die yeah, number two because i don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> i think tatum speaks for the audience as well when she's like oh it was so great you punched her and it was like bam bitch goes down and yeah, <laughs> yeah. the same thing aren't you really so uh... <laughs> um yeah again we get a little bit more exposition by tv here rather than having it all at once and that's when you see the cotton weary and you get like you wouldn't think Liev schreiber is a pretty big name movie star nowadays. freaking ray donovan <laughs> yeah ray dollar saber tooth yeah superheroes yeah. exist in horror Films like, oh, sorry, superheroes. <laughs> but it's so weird to me that he, because he even has like an expanded role in a couple of the sequels, but he appears here on yeah. TV for about three seconds. Like, blink and you'll miss his appearance, mm. you know? Yeah, I know, I know. Like, that's the thing. If I went into Scream, like, well, two and three, because I watched one and two years ago, if I went into number three, I and with his opening scene, I would have looked at him and been like, Hang on, Sabretooth in Scream? Where, where was this? Well, I, I missed this. I definitely missed this. Yeah. He's got to have been chuffed that he was like, he's got to have basically been a background extra that they hired for that scene. And then when it came to the yeah. sequels, they were like, yeah, you can come back and play the role. We, yeah, we like you. Yeah, we like you. Yes, come back. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. And, uh, yeah, more and more exposition and uh, talking between Sydney and Gail about you or my mother and you wrote the book about this and Sydney, you framed this guy and now you're not so sure and stuff which again keeps the, the whodunit aspect alive in the audience's mind, I think, uh, without yeah. um, without it being bogging down the film because it has to have a little bit of room to breathe between the kills. Uh, oh, absolutely, and, yeah. 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 Speaking of which, the kind of the, the idea of the costumed sort of kids just running around in the school and everyone kind of just looking at yeah. it like, uh, whoa, it's just a bit of fun and whatever else. Um, but then <laughs> the scene when she runs into Billy and she's still a bit nervous and... It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. You would never know this was exposition until you know it is. But when he responds with like, "Oh, get over your mother's death." When my mom left my dad, I got over it, and it's like that seems really insensitive. Yeah. And why would you say that? And then why would you even mention it? it? Mm. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. So that was like a key clue that you would completely have missed at the time and just thought, oh, what an insensitive guy. He just wants to get laid or whatever. And then, then you exactly. find out, nope. Oh, what a jerk. What a guy. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Exactly. Um, but yeah, in terms of the misleads and stuff, I think at this point it's trying to set up that the Fonz, who you don't know about, the principal is the killer um, because he's like branding scissors on them. Uh, the guys. The I know. Um, oh no! What is it? It's it's an injustice that like I expel you. Like you should be hung in the field, and like, he literally shoves scissors in their face. He's <laughs> he very I should, I should, like uh, what? I should gut you and hang you from the nearest. Yeah, gut you so and hang you. Yeah, we can expose you for the heartless, desensitized little shits that you are. <laughs> it's God, like, wow, yeah, that's pretty like... harsh. Considering two scenes ago, he was like, "Remember, your principal loves you. I just want you to be safe." <laughs> yeah, like what a what a missile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that's obviously setting up like maybe he could be the killer. He certainly seems like he's not quite mm. all there. So um, yeah, I like well. that and. Likewise, um, there was a scene when Sydney goes into the bathroom just after this, which apparently was nearly cut from the film because Wes Craven didn't like it. Um, I think it was Wes, but one of the, one of the parties didn't like it, and the another one was like, "No, it's key because it gives you backstory about Sydney, how the rest of the school sees her, and kind of what her mother's reputation is." Yeah, she won't admit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh. I also think it's notable, and again, credit to uh, my old media study teacher for this one, that it's it also sets up the kind of red herring misleads because it's when the girls have left the bathroom and you realise the actual killer's in there. Um, you see them step down from the toilet and you see the shoes that they're wearing are these kind of black docker type shoes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it deliberately shows you in a later scene that the sheriff is wearing those exact shoes when he's putting out like a cigarette with his uh, with his boot. So... Yeah, I know, to be honest, tonight I was looking for those shoes again and yeah, I thought I saw in the police station maybe like not on the sheriff but i thought they were just in the background like as a prop but okay they're actually on the sheriff so that was another yeah. like you say clever yeah okay it's a much later scene but it's when he's like talking to dewey and dewey's like oh i thought you quit yeah and, oh, i did but it's too much for me and all the rest of it and he said it, the camera deliberately it shows you he's just stamping out the cigarette with the poop but it lingers on it yes second too long and you're like mm, hang maybe. on yeah <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's cool. I like that when Gail meets Dewey, they're immediately flirting with each other, even though it seems like she's completely disingenuous. But there's just right. kind of, <laughs> there's some kind of weird, and I know that it's because these two were dating and then eventually married and whatever in real life. There's some kind of weird chemistry yes. there regardless, isn't there? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I think um, so, anyway. Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, no, they, well, they will get, well, not get it on later in the movie, they have a moment later on, and oh, you know, from yeah. the get-go, from the get-go, it was like, right, these two, like, when I found out they, they, they dated and married, I was like, oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Movie it all. It, yeah, more or less, yeah, so. Uh, Probably. Yeah, so then obviously we get the idea that, um, you know, because Sydney's been attacked and everything, class has been suspended, and they're all like, yeah, whatever you did, it's great, we're going to have a party at Stu's house, and you'll come along and blah, blah, blah. There's a 9 p.m. curfew. And again, it's um, another quick reference to her father being the, the primary suspect, just to keep it in the audience's mind, just that little bit, which, uh, again, I like. Yeah. Um, yes. And, yeah, the next scene is uh, Principal Himbury, which, again, is a scene that didn't exist. Uh, it was a scene that was added because I think it was Bob Weinstein um, or someone like that who was one of the producers had said there hasn't been a kill in the movie as it was because, obviously, the last one would have been... 
way back. Um, um, we... The actual kill would have been Casey in the start, wouldn't it? Yes, then, at the um, beginning, right. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's like a couple of attacks on Sydney and then there hasn't been a kill until the party. So um, they were like, we need to add a, some kind of scene that has a kill. We um, need that R rating, damn it. We need that AE rating. <laughs> well, it just it was more like the audience's uh, retention wouldn't be great and whatever. But uh, So that was when they wrote in this scene with the principal being killed. Uh, which yes. apparently Kevin Williamson was really happy with because it also solved the problem later that he needed to have a reason why everybody would have left the party. So the, fin- the final exactly, be, yeah, 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 can be just the main guys. And obviously, you have that scene where the, they get the phone call and it's like, oh, the principal's body hung up. And then Whoa, like, Prince, yeah, speaking. principal Henry's in the football field. Let's go before it hangs down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that gets everyone out of your party as well. So it was like uh, it was double the fun for that. But yeah, I do like that. As I said. Um, there's a couple of references to the Fonz in this scene if you do happen to know who he is and the best little easter egg in all of the Scream films when uh, he bursts out of his office and just goes oh little shits and then you get Fred the janitor standing there just going uh, what did you call me and he yeah, says, I'm sorry, this is the cameo I was on about because it's none other than freaking Wes Craven, isn't it? It's Wes Craven in the actual original Fred Krueger outfit, which is why he's called You're Fred right, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I reckon it is Friday the 30th. Oh, it's Friday the 30th. If I can help you, Yeah, and that is actually yeah, no, I, absolutely right. That's, uh, that's Wes Craven himself in that scene, yeah. So mm. <laughs> I love that little Easter egg again. That emphasizes that this film is like, the more you know about horror, the more you'll get out of it. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, but speaking of Wes Griffin, I love the way that he plays with kind of reflections in mirrors and stuff during the scene uh, so that you're a little bit off guard where where Himbury's going to get attacked from. And the best shot in the movie for me, which apparently was a nightmare to actually get Henry Winkler as it took hours to, to frame properly, but is the scene where the mask is reflected in his eye at the very end. Um, right, yeah. Scene, I can imagine. I was like, that yeah, shot imagine. is so cool and so iconic, but yeah, it didn't occur to me that like that would have been a real pain in the ass to get, <laughs> especially like you wouldn't. These are the days before it would be just I oh, will just CGI it in or whatever. They would have actually yeah. tried to get it in camera, so yeah, that yeah. must have been a nightmare. <laughs> God. Um, speaking of pop culture type stuff, obviously we get Tatum talking about how you know um, I believe the stories about your mum because you could only hear this Richard Gear gerbil story so many times before you believe it's true. Uh, again, <laughs> talking of little Easter eggs and stuff, though, I do love when when Sydney's talking about how, oh, uh, maybe I'm cursed and whatever else, and then Tatum's response is, you're starting to sound like some Wes Carpenter flick, <laughs> which is yeah. like <laughs> deliberately getting wrong, the mashup of Wes Craven and John Carpenter. Yeah, like Jesus Christ, yeah, <laughs> Wes Carpenter. <laughs> Very on the nose, especially, again, since Wes Craven is directing this movie, which, yeah, the irony. Uh, but you do get a glimpse of the killer um, as we cut between scenes, and then you get Frankenstein on the TV, and we've cut to the video store. And, uh, again, so yes. many references, like, um, what's the, the werewolf movie with E.T.'s mom in it? Oh, uh, uh, The Howling. <laughs> yeah, which has always bugged me, because if E.T. exists in a, as a film in this universe, E.T. stars Drew Barrymore, which would surely... Bring attention to the fact that Drew Barrymore right. looks exactly like of Casey course. from the start of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Kevin and West didn't think about that one, but <laughs> there's a few things like that because there's a moment later on where you see the pile of, um, I think it's videos back then on um, Stu's kind yeah. of VHS. And one of the videos on there is Clerks, which is fine within itself right. until, yeah. uh, until you get to screen three and Jay and Silent Bob exist in this universe. Of course, yeah, they're canon. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of a, mm. <laughs> what yeah, were they doing? A little bit weird there, but yeah. 
Um, but yeah, talking of, of the pop culture stuff, I love that Randy is kind of the savvy one and he's talking about, oh, it's Prom Night Revisited. Why is Billy in the horror section? That's in poor taste. And uh, we get the, the exposition of Randy kind of clearly clearly fancies Sydney, but has never went for it. And uh, yeah. oh, what, she's saving herself for you? But again, I, I do love that. Do you think I got a chance? If you, <laughs> if you <laughs> no. listen, uh, yeah, exactly. No, no, I don't. But if you listen carefully, he does describe things that actually happen because it's like, oh, what about the father? And he's like, he's probably dead. His body's going to pop up in the last reel somewhere. And, I was like, <laughs> and it does. It's, it's oh true. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. He predicted his own sodding movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's exactly what he does throughout. And then it, as he talks about, mm. like you said, it's a simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. And he even says the dad's a red herring. It's Billy, which again, exactly yeah, like, like... <laughs> This guy is Wikipedia. <laughs> he yeah. knows his crap. <laughs> exactly. But then the movie and the kind of actual killers try to throw you off with like, oh, well, maybe it was you in your movie freak mind. And it's like, oh, I admit I'd be the prime suspect. And it's the millennium. Motives are incidental. <laughs> but that, also that motives incidental thing, that's kind of plays into the actual like you know all right when we actually get to the reveal of the killers like we know their actual motives but it is kind of other than their reasoning it is kind of a that's not it we'll just do it because it's fun like they are yeah, crazy fucks and they uh, just like killing people certainly in the case of Stu, but apparently that's deliberate because yeah. They kind of discuss it in the film and it's a lot of what was actually going on in the writer's head which is that he said he wanted there to be no motivation because in a way it's scarier no. and it's kind of more sinister. But he also liked the kind of backstory he'd created about her mother and everything and wanted that motivation. So that's, I think, when he was yes. like, well, I've got two killers. We'll just do both. So Billy has this epic motivation. <clears throat> and then when Stu was eventually pressed for like, well, why did you do this? The best answer he could give is oh, peer pressure. <laughs> so that's just <laughs> basically no reason you're just crazy. <laughs> well, um, I mean, but, but what makes it more terrifying for me, it's, it's shaggy. Like he's Shaggy from Scooby Doo, and he's a he's a killer. Like it wasn't what? at the time. <laughs> oh no, but I I know his face is Shaggy. Like before I even like the first time I Scooby, I literally looked at his face and thought, "Hang on, if I if your hair was a bit longer, it's where's your pet dog Scooby?" Like I literally looked at him. He's Scooby Doo. Where's Shaggy? Where's Velma? Where's the mystery? This thing? ghost face. Who was he? <laughs> it was Billy the whole time, and I would have gotten away with it too. Whoever those meddling kids, yeah, no, legit. It's like Shaggy's a killer in this. Like, what's going on? Whereas I did it the opposite way around. I saw Scream and then watched Scooby Doo in 2002. I went, oh my god, do you know who's is helping them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, bless, but uh, yeah. So, as I said, um, you get the, the closing montage here, and I wanted to give a shout out to the soundtrack, both the soundtrack itself and the score, which are both really good. Because uh, the song that plays here is Red Right Hand, which is pretty famous. But I've mentioned there's like Don't Fear the Reaper, there's Republicas Drop Dead Gorgeous, pretty good needle drops. Um, and the score yes. is is uh, by a first time, I can't remember the chap's name now, and I feel awful, but yeah, first time. Uh, uh, Marco, Marco, uh, Marco, Marco Beltrami. 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 Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, and he says he kind of scored the movie. With by looking at it not as a horror film but almost like a western, and you can kind of get that. There's yeah, that I've of, got those yeah. vibes. Mm, I yeah. definitely got those vibes hearing them. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of Weird. atmosphere. And even um, the the song Sydney's Lament when it's kind of like there's a female voice in the background, like moaning, I guess. Yeah, it's used for Sydney throughout the entire franchise, and it's like that's so genius and so cool, you know. But uh, so yeah, credit to the soundtrack for also being great in this movie. Um, and again, I've got to mention the the pop culture awareness of. Um, Oh, who's going to play you in the movie, Sydney, Meg Ryan? And her response. Yeah, 
I think it'll be um, Tory spelling. <laughs> Tory spelling, and then later on, that actually does happen in the Stab yeah. movies. In it's Scream just, Two, yeah. yeah, you watch Stab, and Stab, yes, Sydney is played by Tory spelling. It's so like, yeah, that's the fact that they mm. got her to come in and do that is just genius, based off Insane. a little sort of throwaway line. Yeah. Brilliant, whether it? like yeah. you say, whether that was just a pure fear away, and then when I actually did screen two in real life, they're like, Oh, hang on, you remember, remember was, we yeah. said that line, let's actually get her to do it, or they actually <laughs> thought it out when they said it at the time. No, I don't think they did. I think it was literally like it was a throwaway gag, and then they were like, Let's just we say a name, and they were like, Can we actually do it? Yeah, can we yeah. do it? <laughs> and mm. they did, so yeah, great. Um, I'll have to mention this because I'd never noticed it before until maybe this time around, and I've seen this film like dozens of times. That when they're in the shop, they close the kind of case on one of the freezers, and the killer's reflected in their <laughs> costume. Really, I never noticed no. that before. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice. No, no, it's what? not playing the scene for tension or anything. It's just playing it like we're just getting party supplies, and the whole place is closing, and everything's safe. And then, like, are you talking like, about when Tatum's getting the beers yeah. like, in at the, at the party? No, oh, no this okay. Is like at the oh. shop before the party, um, she's just it's oh, Tatum right. and Sydney, oh. and they're, they're pushing like a trolley or a cart, whatever, around. The shop grabbing oh oh yeah. yes that scene um the killers reflect uh, is, is it uh, i don't know actually did i notice that or not <laughs> i, I really didn't I the, first, the first multiple times i watched this i didn't because the scene's not played as if you should be looking for something and it's no no it's i was just watching so, it yeah it's so quick just before the scene transitions that i think it's easy to miss as well i was like you wow, see him is... you see him move like, you actually see the killer walk past but you can reflect oh okay oh well that kind of this. Yeah, again, there's the a definite yeah, trivia. <laughs> if you had pause handy, there's a definite like full on shot yeah. of him in the in the case. But again, it just it doesn't oh, okay. register first time. I don't think so. No, cool. It keeps you on your toes because it's almost a subliminal flash, isn't it? So yeah. <clears throat> so then we get to uh, the last act, which is the the party at Stu's, which. This entire thing is all just, uh, it's one big act and it's like some 40 odd minutes of the movie. Act three, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, oh boy. But uh, just to quickly go through a few things, obviously you get a, a few fake jump scares when it turns out to be Dewey or Gale or whatever. And uh, mention yeah. of like uh, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is all in, in all of these films because she's the scream queen. And oh, when do you see mm. her tits? You never see her tits till she goes legit. So Trading places. Trend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tits and legits. Yeah, that line's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and one other line I noticed that I have to mention because it's just, it's completely unintentional but hilarious in retrospect is that. Um, when Stu or somebody tells Tatum, oh, go and grab some beers from the fridge for us. And she's like, what am I, the beer witch? And I was like, remembering that her most famous role a couple of years after this was in Charmed, that's some pretty hilarious foreshadowing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, okay. I didn't notice that, but okay, that's cool. That's it's cool. not intentional. I mean, it couldn't possibly no. be. She wasn't, yeah, but it's just looking back, it's like, why would you say be a witch? And then your most be famous role was playing a witch. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, the scene with Tatum in the garage, I hate that she gets killed, but that scene itself is great. Again, it's Dutch oh, angles yeah. everywhere. It's so disturbing. And again, she thinks it's Randy and she's not. She's standing up for herself and not giving any of this kind of cliched, oh, I'm terrified, run away kind of thing. And one of my favorite lines in the movie is like, oh, you want me to play this? Oh, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Yeah, I want to be in the sequel. <laughs> that is legit. All my notes. So my quotes are basically from the third act because I think that's where the, yeah. third, the third act is my favorite bit of the film. And that's where everything just, because everything goes down. But like, I think the one-liners are good. The kills are good. It's like everything yeah. happens in the third act. 
all my it quotes really are from the, the meta narrative of the film as well. So there's so mm. many references, isn't there? Um, again, something I didn't notice until because it's such a cheesy joke, maybe, but until a few times after watching it was, uh, oh, what film is this? I spit on your garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spit yeah, it was. It was pretty dumb of Tatum to try and escape through the pet door retrospective. I mean, yeah, sure. It's like, oh, <laughs> little door. I can surely fit through that. It's like, it was never going to end well. No. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, horrible, gruesome thing. And uh, um, yeah, I love that when Billy shows up, uh, I think it's Randy that says, what's Leatherface doing here? Uh, and then yeah, again, <laughs> yeah. there's a few uh, again pop culture reference, which again was apparently ad libbed. But when Randy's like, "Oh, I wanted to have a shot with her, I could have asked her out and whatnot," and uh, Stu says, "As if," and then Randy's responsive, "Oh, really, Alicia?" Because <laughs> it's like a clueless yeah. reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that one. Yep, that was. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Uh, I love this kind of narrative conceit that they planted a camera, but it's on a thirty second delay because they get so much yeah. cool tension out of that. <laughs> they do. They really <clears throat> do. Yeah, especially um, when that thirty seconds goes into play, and like they're all watching the camera, and you see the kids go. Like when the kids are like, "Woo, principals in the football field, let's go!" Woo, yeah. like, where's it going? Go watch the movie, and you, you see the kids go out, but then they're watching the camera, and they, they go, the camera guy and Gail are getting confused, and yeah, you know, one, it's great. Gail being a bitch. Her iconic line from this though is, "When I say Harry, please interpret that as move your fat tub, tub of lardas now." <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's so mean to Kenny, and then he winds up dead, and she's just like, "I'm sorry, but get off my windshield." <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> harsh. But yeah, first uh, before oh we get God, to Kenny, any, I'm so uh, sorry, but get off my fucking windshield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, before we get to any of that, we get the scene, obviously, with um, Sydney and Billy in the bedroom. Uh, talking about you yes. know, it's uh, I'm scared to turn out like my mom. I want to admit the truth and. Uh, um, you know, she, her saying to Billy, life isn't a movie and him responding, it's one great big movie, but you can pick your genre and her response of, why can't I be a, why can't I be a Meg Ryan movie or even a good porno? Yeah, or <laughs> so a like, porno. <laughs> which yeah. is the best, like, only a teenager written by an adult way of indicating that you're ready for having yeah, sex, yeah. really. <laughs> Nobody would ever say that, but eh, what the heck. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, yeah. um, you cut back to them watching Halloween and this is where you get probably the key scene in the movie when Randy describes how um, there's certain rules you need to obey to survive yeah, a horror and movie. and I wrote these down. Yeah. Did you, oh, do you <laughs> want to go for it? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so you can never, ever, ever have sex. Sex, which true. Um, you can <laughs> never drink or do drugs. An extension of rule number one. And in number three, never, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Oh, guess what, Randy? I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm going to get another beer. You want one? Yeah. yeah. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> I love that because Stu says that as a kind of deliberate reference. And then two seconds later, Gail says it to Kenny. And, I, and by this point, as the audience member, you're like, oh, yeah, oh my God. That. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. So I love the way it, it references these things deliberately to put them in your head and then kind of subverts them in a couple of places as well. It's really clever. I think anyway. Mm. So um, mm. yeah, I do love the, the reference to like only virgins escape the killer and the fact that the film plays with that by showing that um, Sydney is no longer a virgin and so that yeah. Looks... Oh no, no, here comes a compulsory tit shot or whatever it is, the sensory tit <laughs> shot. Tit shot yeah. The bra comes off. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
I, uh, yeah, the, the, then all this stuff happens that we've mentioned, Himbury, and they, they all leave and stuff, and uh, Gail and Dewey get knocked over into the kind of bushes by the cars, into the most cliche kind of, like, we fall uh, on yeah. top of each other, we are going to kiss now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's going to happen now? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's when they discover Sydney's dad's car, which, you know, propels the narrative to, towards the end, and... Uh, yeah, oh. I, I do think uh, it's nice post-coitally that um, Sydney's starting to wise up a little bit. Even at this point, she doesn't like immediately. Yes, like, like uh, click to him. She's like, well, "Who was your one phone call?" <laughs> you know, you could. Which uh, again, this bugs me in films because that's not true. You're not entitled to one phone call when you're arrested. You're entitled to a lawyer, which can be a phone call. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those film kind of tropes that's become uh, like accepted as fact, even though it isn't, which bugs the crap out of me. But never mind. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of cool that she's like, "Oh, it'd be clever," and uh, what have you. And it's again it's really clever, off. clever from a screenwriting process that uh, he's like, "What do I have to do to convince you?" And then like the killer bumps in behind and stabs and seemingly kills him. And I was like, "Well, that'll convince him." <laughs> so, yeah. again, well, that's the thing. I, I, I had like, all right. I know we said who the killers are, but I at that moment was kind of like, "Yeah, you are the killer, Billy. Shut the fuck up." Oh, oh, oh what? You're actually dead. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I got fooled. I was like, "Wow, you were somehow telling the truth." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But that's what the film it knows what it's doing, and it does that so well. It's it really did. Clever. At that moment, it really did. I was like, oh, fuck, have I been wrong the whole time? Yeah, but it does that a few times in a few of the movies. It's great. Mm. But, uh, yeah. So then, obviously, we quickly get um, Sydney falling onto a very convenient uh, sort of tarpaulin <laughs> on the bottom there. Yeah. From the oh, full light of the window. Uh, she finds Tatum's body and uh, runs away to find kind of Gail and Dewey, I think. But. Uh, then we get this scene, which I I never realised quite how meta this is until again when I was reading up for the for the podcast here. But when um, Rand right. is talking to himself and he's like, uh, "Oh, Jamie, look behind you, look behind you, Jamie." Oh, look yeah, behind you. <laughs> yeah, like, of course, yeah, that iconic scene. <laughs> yeah, I get why he's. It's like meta in the regard that he should look behind him, the character. But it never occurred hmm. to me that he's talking to himself as well on the level that the actors called Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I never picked up on that like extra level that when he's shouting, like, look behind you, Jamie. Turn Jamie. around, Jamie. And he's like deliberately talking to himself. I was like, oh, oh that that's is, weird. Oh, that's a new oh, layer of that's met that's meta meets meta. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think this is the time when they use the delay the most cleverly because Sydney goes to the van with uh, to find Kenny and whatnot, and they watch Randy uh seemingly yes. get killed, but then the, the killer gets spooked and he goes to outside the van, sees the open door, and then immediately remembers, like, oh, there's a 30-second delay. So the killer's already there, which is like, oh, that's yeah. genius, you know? Um, genius. Yeah. I love it. And then we have a few things about, you know, the, the usual stuff. Dewey has a knife in his back, and has he been killed? And chasing her to a car, and she tries to lock it, and they open it. Which becomes the trope of the franchise. Like, not to, like, there is a lot of these, oh, shit, like, people have been stabbed. Oh, no, someone got shot. Oh, no, these characters are dead. And, you know, it's and it's kind of a and like not to jump ahead or anything, but especially with the killers, it's like, oh, remember to shoot them in the head. They always have that last like <laughs> hurrah, like they always come back, which yeah. happens in pretty much all of them. Like it always does exactly, tend to be yeah. completely. But no, the, when with regard, to, with regard to the Dewey thing, I find it quite fascinating that apparently he was supposed to be dead, and you can kind of tell that because when they kick Gale like onto him when they grab the gun later, yeah. it's quite clear he's not breathing or anything. But um, yeah, he isn't moving. No, 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 no. Yeah. He, yeah, he's chesting anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a. Re I think it was either Wes Craven or the writer who was like, "We liked the character and decided if we were going to have a sequel, we wanted him in it." So they quickly added the scene of him getting taken into the ambulance, and he's clearly alive at the very end. Yes. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's okay. very last minute insert. So that's, I think, where this idea started of like people getting really severely injured and yet they're fine um, because it yeah. wasn't supposed to happen. You know? Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, this great reveal of like uh, Stu and Randy both appealing to Sydney of, oh, it was him, not me. And her just, oh, oh. it was him. <laughs> just give <laughs> me the gun. Yeah. Just give me the down. Yeah, fuck you both. Yeah, great. And then great. the fuck stupidity, again, looking back retrospectively of like Billy crawling down the stairs and falling in there. Oh, I thought you were dead. And I'll oh, just give me the gun. It's going to be fine. And then realizing how stupid she is as he just turns around and uh, he it's lets like, in. Right, dude, I got it. <clears throat> He lets in uh, Randy, Randy first, and uh, yeah, Randy's like, "Yeah, it's got to, you got to help me, Stu. He's gone crazy." And uh, what oh. does uh, what does Billy respond? <laughs> we all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> Bang! Anthony Perkins, psycho. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Perkins, psycho. Yeah, yeah. And then talks about how they're using corn syrup for blood. It's completely fake. Corn like, syrup, same stuff, stuff they use in Carrie. Yeah, yeah, same stuff exactly. they use in Carrie. And this is your big reveals of like Stu now has the voice changer, so there's two of them and who they are. And uh, how they they used the movies to frame Cotton, and it was so easy. And we've talked already about you know. Yeah, the so the voice and... we haven't we haven't mentioned the voice of the Ghostface, uh, Roger L. Jackson, still Indeed. going strong, still voicing all of the films, isn't it? All the films. Yeah, and uh, again, this was, uh, I'm pleased you mentioned that because this was another thing that I found in my research, which was he was never necessarily intended to be the voice. He was like a placeholder. Um, they hired him right. because they thought they thought he was cool and everything, but it was like we probably hire somebody to record over this later on because mm. the the actresses didn't actually meet him, so they were actually talking to him on the phone. Um, so as to kind of give you the correct response of like nervousness and not knowing this guy. Um, but I think it was again Wes Craven on watching like dailies and stuff was like this voice is perfect. It's the right level of seemingly intelligent, but also that dark, like evil undercurrent. And I'm just gonna keep that yeah. voice. <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, totally. It definitely works. I can't see any other voices ghost face. It is it's no, yeah, it's it's, so it's cool. iconic for a reason, just like a lot of mm. the stuff in the movie. And yeah, the fact that he's still he still is the voice of the killer every time. Even though it, it's yes. you know, it's meant to be a voice changer, but it is that actor every time. But yeah. Like he's he's other than the main three characters, he's like the only thing that's present in every one of these movies, you know. So Exactly. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Exactly, yeah. But uh yeah. Obviously we mentioned already you know, oh you're not a virgin anymore, it's all a scary movie, and uh it's a scream, baby. <laughs> Which yeah, it's a scream, baby. That, that's the Family Guy moment of Peter Griffin, like ah, he said the name of the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, the, or, or like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen, like the meme going, "Oh, that, that's the one. That's it. That's oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> the line. <laughs> exactly, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. it." And uh, yeah, they, they kind of they do that sort of. We forgive it, but that cliche thing of like, we're now going to reveal our entire plan to you to frame your dad and do all yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, ah, but um, I do love when um. Sydney kind of responds with, you've seen one too many movies, and they say, uh, movies don't create psychos, they just make psychos more creative. Yeah, it is, especially at that point, like, because later on, like, part of the issue as to why Scream 3 is kind of the way it was, like, all right, the film, not just Scream, but other things have inspired acts of real life violence, and Scream yeah. 3 kind of suffered because of, you know, certain shootings and deeds at the mm. time and violence was a big red flag at the time and that's kind of why they tone heavily toned down the violence of screen free and that's kind of why it ended up the way it did yeah and it exactly. suffers the most from it um, exactly. but yeah that, that that line totally like movies make psychos more creative it's like it's true like even it happens a lot more than we think it's happening right now but we aren't just going to know about it but obviously yeah, but back in 1996 and like yeah it's just it was big and it was a big red 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 flag 
It is, but at the same time, I do rec- I do recognize that the writing and stuff is it's kind of saying it's not the movie's fault. They aren't the trigger. No, no, no. They no, are just no. kind of like there's obviously something wrong in these people's head to start with, and the movies oh, just totally. give them you know a way to latch onto that and to actually express it. But they were always going to be kind of crazy murderers anyway, you know. So from um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, anyway, that's a whole other debate, I guess. But um, <laughs> from here, we get the cool uh, the idea of like looking for the gun, and it turns out Gail's there with it, and uh, it's like here's an ending for you. The the cub reporter comes, yeah, and saves the day, saves the day. <laughs> and Tim, oh, you should have like, turned like the safety off. <laughs> yeah, should have turned the safety off exactly. Um, yeah, but again, it's just it's such a Scooby Doo run around of like then they turn away and Sydney and her dad are gone and then she calls them and she's called the police. <laughs> and, yeah. um, again, I think it might be an ad lib, but I'm not sure. But it always makes me feel truly like sorry for Stu at the scene when he's on the phone. Like, did you really call the cops? Mom and dad are gonna be so bad yeah. at me. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I think that's the funniest it? line of the whole movie. I find it devastating the way he plays it. I'm genuinely feeling bad for him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at this point he's like been stabbed by Billy the fake the kind of uh, idea that they want to escape and and make the sequel because these days you gotta have a sequel, baby. Have a sequel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so as I said, we we get all of these kind of thematic ideas of uh, misleads and uh, Sydney wearing the costume and stabbing Billy with an umbrella, but then Stu runs in. Uh, and Stu ends up mm. killed by the media he so loved by getting a TV smash. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. And yeah. then, uh, <clears throat> it's cool again that off screen, kind of as a surprise, sort of neat punch the air moment, Gail kind of leaping up and shooting Billy uh, with the uh, yes. quick. Because uh, I remember the safety that time, you bastard. <laughs> again, as you've mentioned, careful, Randy's saying, careful, this is the part where the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. And he just opens <laughs> his eyes as she shoots him in the head. Yeah. And just, <gasps> Not in my movie. <laughs> Yeah, and then no, the but then Randy. I don't know if he says. Sorry, I, I'm like speaking of lines. I don't know if Randy says it in this or like early on. But he's like, I never thought I'd be so happy to be a virgin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's earlier on when he kind of uh, he clambers in and he's kind of covered in blood and Sydney's like, I thought you were dead, and he says, I, I, I yeah. probably should be. I never thought I'd be so happy to be a virgin. Yeah, virgin. exactly. So yeah, again, mention of the kind of tropes and ideas. But again, the film has to give us one last jump scare, but it turns out it's just Sydney's dad falling from the closet. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like oh. oh. <laughs> Way yeah. to play the heartstring feathers. Oh. <laughs> and again, the film just ends fairly abruptly at this point because yeah, taking so long. But um, we have the insert that I mentioned of Dewey having survived and Gail reporting. Yes, um, yes. Which again, sums up the entire thing perfectly with her report when she just says it was like the plot of some scary movie. <laughs> it all began. It all began with a scream over nine one one. Which again, like ah, yeah. DiCaprio meme. <laughs> so, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we pan into the kind of like the big wide world that's out there, and there is a subliminal flash of the killer that is so quick that you yes. would never register it. Really, it, 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 well, yeah, it's just a ghost face face. It's just a ching, and it's just like, yeah, all right, see you number two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, all right, see you again. We're back. <laughs> exactly, but uh, you didn't yeah. kill me. Mm, I'm still out there. <laughs> You can like not you. not and like not to spoil the rest of the franchise like that's true. So um, so yeah, we we'll jump on now because it's been a fair while and we'll go into our conclusions uh, for the film. And uh, uh, okay, sure, yeah, we'll start with you as the guest. So if you could give me a quick paragraph conclusion and then a score out of five. Um, paragraph conclusion, what as like a summary? Um, yeah, or... just summary if you if you'd like, or just what your thoughts are generally overall on the film, or. 
Um, yeah, I just think, like, not to get all philosophical, but especially for its time, like, this really did reinvent the genre and made it fresh and engaging and, you know, like, a whole new, added a whole new layer to, again, not a dying genre, because, like, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, like, kind of was the prototype for the meta formula, or I don't know if you knew any other movies that around that time, but then Scream was really the one that kind of went, Oh, like movies making fun of movies. Like we need. I would say New Nightmare was the outlier because the rest of it was very much like, you know, that it was slasher movie number nine. This killer takes because um, (laughs) because Craven didn't direct all of the Nightmare on Elm Street. What did he do? The first one and the last one, didn't he? He did the first, the first one in New Nightmare, but I think he also co-wrote and produced a couple of others, maybe, but I'm not sure. Right, Um, right. You know, because I would have, I okay, without me knowing like the horror genre back in the night because i'm not that old and craven's like filmography i would have said new nightmare was kind of like the 0.5 okay. basis for then what would turn into 100 yeah i mean new nightmare was literally two years before as well it was 94 and screen yeah. was 96 so yes yeah. um but then obviously out which one did well which one has spawned a franchise and which one's still going strong today because i'm sorry nightmare it is a nightmare trying to get a new movie out so you know um, yeah. But I think that's that's part and parcel of what you were saying is that people wanted a new twist on the, the slasher thing because it had become like direct-to-video sequels and the same old formulas and Stale, was yeah. clever enough to to reference that and subvert it, I think. So anyway, sorry to interrupt your conclusion. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I just I'd say like it has been like a long well, I'd say this week, not some of the whole summary of the franchise, but like it has been a long week. But I've I've determined that basically this is my favourite like horror franchise. Like it to me, <laughs> from what I've seen, there's nothing like it. These movies aren't gonna leave my head anytime soon, not just because I've watched it tonight, but like these movies are now gonna stay with me. And oh they do, yeah. Like Ghostface like is iconic and the fact that it's yeah. a normal guy like all right ghostface is terrifying because you don't know who it is and you are sitting there going oh who is it who is it but when he's actually with the knife he is a normal human guy he gets slammed in the door like he falls over like he's a normal guy or girl in the suits and he isn't this superpower immortal being that's pure evil or he isn't some fucking you know friday the 13th curse that can just keep coming back to life like he's exactly, a normal yeah. guy or girl and i think that part strikes fear in it and i think that's the part that resonates with me and all right, it's, it takes the yeah. pick out of films, and I love that layer for it too because I'm into <laughs> films, so I love that. Yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I just think Scream for me right now or forever will be like that franchise because it does offer entertaining, genuine scares, like a realistic enough plot. Um, it all helps as well because the characters are aware of what they're in. Like, yeah. all right, it's because of good script writing and everything. But like, I don't know, Scream, having watched them all, like, I am very appreciative of Scream. I just think, yeah, Scream is the best at the minute for me. Scream is up there. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So what would your score out of five be then? Fuck it, a five. <laughs> a five. Awesome. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I probably should have said earlier, because I haven't mentioned it, that you you have seen the newer Scream movie that's just come out. Uh, which yes. Frustratingly, uh, well, they decided to call just Scream, which I hate, <laughs> but never mind. I know. Well, uh, the only way you can differ- differ- differentiate, I can't even fucking say that word, differentiate. <laughs> Legit, the only way you can tell the difference is if you put the year in the brackets, like you have in the title of this, Scream 1996 and then Scream 2022. I haven't seen the new Scream you have, so which is why we've avoided like spoilers or anything. No, Um, no, no. no, Just just super quickly, what were your spoiler-free thoughts then on it? Um, uh, uh, Okay, what can I say about Scream 5? Um, Okay, whether you're a new listener to the Scream franchise and whether you had the whole horror franchise genre ruined for you, then I would say I'm sorry, but then again, you need to do some horror research. But I'd say if you needed to rewatch any of the Screams, 
just watch this first one and right. that's what i'll say on that um <laughs> um but no i uh what can i say about screen five um this okay one okay one thing i will notice right so west craven for all four of his screen movies that he did because sadly he passed away back in 2015 did, and yeah. the directors of the new film made ready or not back in 2019 or 18 and it was a really phenomenal movie um but west had this comedic undertone like yeah all right we've described a really meta movie that you know describes horror really well genuine scares and blah blah blah, blah. but all i'll say about this new one is there's barely like, i'm not saying there isn't funny scenes especially with the legacy characters but i felt like this new take on the franchise without Craven's involvement, which is a sad thing as it is, because I think even uh, Kevin Richardson Williamson, I can't really remember his name, I think he's a producer, so I don't think he's even wrote the new one. Um, no, but what I was going to say about the new one is, I feel like the the real horror aspect and suspense is on show. Like, Craven... Oh, I can't speak other than Scream because I haven't seen anything else other than Scream and First Nightmare on Elm Street. But like that had a comedic undertone the whole time. Like it's entertaining, mm. you're in for a ride, and it's funny. Like this new movie is nothing but suspense and terror and genuine fear. Okay. I've not seen any horror, like whether it's in the cinema or not, where I've genuinely felt not just down to the jump scares or anything, or 4DX amplifying the atmosphere, but like I literally the whole movie is suspense and nothing else and okay. yeah i just think this new scream is really well done and i can't obviously touch the plot or anything but as soon as you mm. see it let me know and i want to honestly know your thoughts and oh, yeah, same definitely, for you definitely. the audience um, like yeah yes. i don't know uh, yeah. i had a blast i had a blast by the time this comes out i mean scream will have been out scream 2022 will have been out for almost a full yes. week so um yeah feel free five, to like five cream your... five cream <laughs> exactly five group so feel free to leave thoughts in the comments maybe just mark them as spoilers or whatever if you're listening to this and uh, yeah i'm fascinated to see other people's reactions because everything i've seen has been really positive and even critics um, have loved this so far like every review i've seen from critics and you know a quick summary like critics have like really given it positive scores so far so it is it's yeah. a good sign I'm also following a lot of the um, legacy characters and the characters who are no longer in the films but have been and every one of those has like raved about it and said that even Wes would have been kind of proud and would have liked the film so oh yeah no damn right like yeah, yeah damn right without being too preachy like yeah I think if he was like either like you know still alive but involved in some capacity or just yeah yeah if he was somehow involved I think he would look back on this and think damn like I would say basically better than three and four at least Okay, like cool. it's in the good easy yeah it's yeah go and see it cool. <laughs> scream 2022 <laughs> is real <laughs> go and cool, see cool. it uh, well, yeah, that's cool. So I'll, I'll drag us back from that distraction anyway, because yeah. I've uh, <laughs> completely stepped on my own kind of conclusion and score here, but we got yours, so that's uh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, I, again, I just read mine off the thing because I've got it written, so apologies if it sounds a bit robotic, but um, my basic sort of uh, conclusion was that it's an iconic movie, uh, a literal touchstone of cinema history. It's not the first meta self-aware film, but it's the most effective, thorough, and in my opinion, the best. It uses knowledge right. of horror and the horror conventions to, uh, that it belongs to in order to comment on the tropes and elevates it beyond the formulaic slashes that horror devolved into. Uh, I think it is whip-smart writing, masterful direction from a proven pro, and great performances from a young cast, combined with an effective whodunit mystery to create a new version of the formula that was so popular that it spawned many imitators itself and sparked a teen slasher renaissance, which just emphasizes its importance. Uh, and yeah, it captures the imagination. It's memorable, clever, exceptionally well crafted, and it's a scream, baby. 
Uh, I like <laughs> this scary movie, uh, and I also give it five stars out of five. <laughs> so, uh, I, love, I love that. <laughs> that makes the average pretty easy to work out. So the uh, the full podcast score for Scream 1996 is pretty obviously five stars out of five. Min- minus <laughs> minus five. It's a terrible, terrible movie. Terrible movie. <laughs> minus five. Don't start saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so all that remains then is to give the uh, the audience response section, uh, which I'll jump into now. I kind of put out social media messages just saying, well, a couple of questions. And the first question was, what was your thoughts on Scream, the 1996 original? Um, and there were a few responses. Uh, Andre, son of Moog, love that username, by the way, uh, says, <laughs> I, I totally loved it. The look at how Hollywood shapes our survival instincts based on horror tropes. Also, Jamie Kennedy talking to the screen for Jamie Lee while watching Halloween. The look behind her when Jamie himself had a killer behind. <laughs> nice. Uh, I also love how Wes Craven got flack for omitting people of color, all while keeping up with that horror trend, only to flip it on its head in part two and dedicating the whole opening scene to the very discussion of the exclusion of POC in the horror genre. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fair enough. Uh, at Kelly's Encounter, The Last Centurion says, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't particularly keen on the sequels, but the first one felt incredibly f- fresh and gave, for a time, new life to a tired formula. I watched it again it recently, fe- and uh, yeah, and despite it, the sorry, 90s... It, 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 go ahead. Yeah, it felt incredibly flesh. He felt the fresh. flesh, did you? He felt he was the flesh. <laughs> that was a Freudian, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's why I heard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the last centurion says uh, I watched it again recently, and despite the nineties of it all, it still holds up well, in my opinion. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of the nineties stuff, haven't we? So, uh, yeah. Uh, the last thing was just from a friend of mine at A L Park Tucker, who said that she hasn't seen the movies. Uh, to which I kind of sent a, you can't sit with us, GIF. <laughs> and then she responded with uh, with just in big exclamation caps. My husband has seen it. And I quote, Wes Craven mastermind, meta, wise beyond its years, a new way of doing horror, a fresh take on up and coming I am God crowd, cast Drew, Rose, Nev and Courtney, just OMG, Scream Queens, staying power way beyond two seconds. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, no, there are a few more, so bear with me. Uh, at Liz Who Fan says, I love how it turned a slasher movie storyline into a really good mystery, which I've kind of uh, got over a lot. So, And at Star Wolf Oakley says, I had not seen a lot of the movies they were referencing. I still enjoyed it, though. It was a coming-of-age story disguised as a horror movie. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's, that's a good lens. Yeah, that is a good lens. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so the second question I asked, just for a little bit of extra kind of interest, was uh, have you seen the whole kind of franchise and what are your thoughts on the screen movies overall, meaning the first four, because obviously a lot of people wouldn't have seen the new one yet. J-I-S-4 Junglist, J-Red, says, I like them all, but the first one holds a special place in my heart. I saw it as a teen in the theatre when it first came out, and there had never been anything like it before. Okay. Um, Johnny, thanks you for being a friend. I think that's at... Uh, I forget who that is, the at, sorry. But uh, yeah, I am not a huge horror person, but I love this franchise. Three was a bit of a disappointment, I admit. But I liked four. Need to watch it again soon. My favorite is two. Love it. Uh, at a furry friend responded to that. Yes to that, even though number three gave me some good laughs with doppelganger Gale. And for me, it's a shared first place <laughs> with number two and four. Uh, and then Johnny again responded with, I didn't hate three, just was a bit disappointed after two being so brutal. Uh, at Kelly's Encanto, the last centurion uh, chimes in again and says, first one, great. Second one onwards, meh. 
the law of diminishing returns, uh, to which I said I don't fully agree, but fair enough. Uh, and they replied, not a problem. In fairness, I haven't seen them since my initial viewing. My opinion may change on a rewatch. So uh, hmm. there we go. I think I have just a couple more. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, so this is um, Andre, son of Moog, got into it again. A uh, bit of a, a long thread this time, but um, he just said, for me, the first two were masterclass. Three went off the rails a bit. Four, let's just say the train crashed in a fireball. Three had way too much humor. I love Parker Posey, but she added too much camp. Four made my eyes roll like bowling balls. As a whole, at this point, Sydney should really be like Rambo. It's like, okay, fair enough. Um, and then uh, when pressed, and I sort of said that I liked four quite a lot, and uh, three was a, probably the weak point for me, uh, he responded, I still enjoyed four, but it didn't draw out that same amount of dread and whodunit mystery uh, that the first three did. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and then said, this is just a random uh, kind of tangent, but I find it amusing. Fun fact, I was 16 when Scream 2 came out, and my cousins and I went to see it, all three of us, POCs. We were stoked that Jada was in the movie. My cousin whispered in my ear for the whole movie, why did Jada have to die? (laughs) (laughs) Spoils the entire movie for that poor guy. So yeah, I just find that amusing. It didn't even occur to me that like looking at it through that lens. Yeah, that's kind of annoying, isn't it? But uh, yeah, so I think it's well, no, that's the thing. I I put on screen two thinking, right, she is going to be in the movie, and I was quite shocked when I found out. She's, wait, she wasn't yeah. in it. She's quite deliberately she the uh, she's the Drew Barrymore of Scream Two, really, isn't she? Mm, <laughs> it's like mm. big name, put her on the poster, kill her straight away. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so the only thing that remains then is, and this is this is completely meaningless in a way, but why the heck not? I also put out earlier today, just a random poll, what's the best of the current Scream movies, the first four? There were 14 votes. Scream 3 got no okay. votes whatsoever. Scream 2 and Scream 4 are both tied with 7% of the votes each. So naturally, this okay. film that we've reviewed, Scream 1996, the runaway Woo! winner with 86% of the votes. Uh, so yeah, Woo! the internet, or at least 14 people in it, have spoken and declared this the best. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, oh, good job, people. Do well done for agreeing with us. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, I like, I, I'm with you, though. I love the franchise as a whole. I think it's, it's something kind of special, so... Uh, yeah, excellent. So it just remains for me to say thank you for, for joining us if you've listened. And thank you to Connor for being my guest today. Connor. Yeah, no um, worries. No worries. It's been great. It was great having a fellow kind of scream head to discuss these things with. And, I mean, uh, yeah, once we finally got connected and, you know, technical issues aside, <laughs> um, you know, I, I promise this won't happen again next time. Um, <laughs> but no, Indeed. let me know whenever, whatever we're reviewing next, whether it's another scary horror or a lighthearted kiddie sh- Scooby Doo adventure film with Matthew Lillard. Um, let me know and I'll, <laughs> I'll gladly come back. <laughs> well, as I said, um, we're not really in a full series as such, but I'm doing the odd kind of. Well, uh, the odd episode every now and then, so it's just a so it's a weird JD Whittaker Doctor Who special. We're Doctor Who special, essentially. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh... Yes, indeed. <laughs> Until but, the next uh... series. <laughs> <laughs> but you you mentioned yourself uh, earlier that you are one half of Pasty Sheep, uh, the yes. awesome kind of podcast channel. So uh... do you want to shout out where the people can find you? <laughs> Um, mainly on YouTube, but if you follow Pacey Sheep on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or again, if you want to email us at nerdbiblecontact at gmail.com, I'll say, I'll say it again slower, nerdbiblecontact, all one word, at gmail.com. Um, but again, mainly on YouTube, across those platforms, at Pacey Sheep. Um, again, films, TVs, do what this gentleman does, but more not like whereas michael does them individually like this video is all scream we kind of blurb news gossip of the week and just kind of mesh it together somehow 
but if you guys yeah. somehow like our content then uh you know feel free to give us a like comment and subscribe and you know cheap plug done I'm definitely, done. <laughs> I, def I definitely recommend it if, if you're a fan of like the kind of you don't see a lot of it these days but the kind of entertainment almost morning show where it hits a few topics and discusses a few sort yeah. of pop culture things it's really good and uh yeah highly recommend uh to go and check that out the pasty sheep or the nerd bible podcast uh on youtube or anywhere where you can find it is there anywhere else by the way is it on uh, like audio or anything um well no we're still we've been saying forever to get it on spotify and itunes but <laughs> it is only youtube at the minute but again if you wanted to contact us on all the social medias it's just pasty sheep on facebook twitter and instagram fair enough um that's awesome well you can find me as always i'm at ian mike wilson on twitter that's my personal page i'm just my name mike wilson uh most of the places uh the podcast is at podcast underscore screen or you can look up Silver Screen Podcast on Spotify and find the episodes as uh, audio podcasts there. Um, shout out as well to the Hit or Miss Big Screen Podcast, uh, where a lot of my previous work still is up there. Uh, and to Will for giving me my start in all this kind of movie business and stuff. And uh, he doesn't really need the viewers as such, but if you're interested, I would definitely <laughs> go and check out that uh, that podcast. I think Connor and George may have been on that recently-ish as well. So um, Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, yeah. uh, what were you uh, what were you reviewing by the way on that and i can't remember now <laughs> it was last night in soho last ah, night in awesome soho. very good movie awesome fair enough so yeah do check that out as well if you like and uh yeah i also have a video up if you don't know i also have a podcast channel dedicated entirely to star trek because i'm a nerd uh, and i put a video up there very recently which uh, is a new kind of idea for me but it was my review of the eagle moss model of the discovery a so if you would like to go and check that out, it's only 25 minutes and uh, see if you have any interest, especially if you're thinking of buying the model or just wanted a, a kind of sneaky look at what it looks like. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just uh, one last time. Thank you so much again, Connor, for joining me. This was really good. And uh, oh, thank you. Thank good you. luck and uh, everything with the podcast. I hope it all goes well and I'm hoping to be invited on soon. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, feelings mutual. Bring me back. Bring course, George back and uh, we'll cover whatever the next episode special you know, <laughs> Doctor Who related, Star Trek related, you know, I'm a bit iffy, J.J. Abrams, Star Trek, I know original and everything else is like OG Star Trek is kind of beyond my head in all honesty. Um, <laughs> but, you know, wherever we cover, just let me know. Give me a shout in advance. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed it. Uh, we Keep an eye on our social medias and there'll always be word there if there's anything upcoming or you can usually tell because I will ask, what are your thoughts on this movie uh, just before we do a review? So... Uh, yeah, hope you all enjoyed this. We will see you soon. And uh, in the epic words of Arnie, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>